Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Good morning, Risers. How's everybody doing? Good to see you all this morning. Welcome to Arise. Uh, If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and we're going to continue to experience God over the next few moments. Uh, We always want to celebrate as we get started. Last week, Easter Sunday, we did have record attendance. Uh, Praise the God. Yeah, that's awesome. What's really cool about that is that I'm um, coming out of COVID and, you know, it's kind of like you're rebuilding the church in some regards and, and uh, watching it grow and what God's doing and really getting back to the momentum that we had prior to COVID. And, and uh, it's really a fun journey to be on. And so thank you for everybody who put out door hangers, signs, yard signs, all that different stuff that you did. Thank you so much for that. Make sure that you're texting people that you invited and invite them to come back. And, uh, and what's better than that, just the big numbers, are the individual stories of life change. And I can't share all of them. I will say there were 18 people that made decisions for Christ last week. Yeah. And so that's what it's all about ultimately is people experiencing the very presence of God uh, in our midst. That's why we do what we do. Um, yeah. Did, did, did you hear that? I, I, just heard, I just heard Beyonce. Wait, no, 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 no. That, that's Elvis. No, 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 that's Drake. Okay, all right. Now, Garth Brooks is somehow in this place. Oh, oh, oh what, 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 what? I, I'm hearing, is that Lady Gaga? Oh, wait, now I'm picking up some television stuff. Fresh Prince before he was slapping people? In West Philadelphia. Uh, uh, oh, my God. I, I, I'm hearing SpongeBob? Now, here's the thing. If you have a tuner, a radio, a a frequency to be able to tune into the right channels, you would hear that there are all types of voices, all types of songs, all types of media that are actually flowing through this room at any given time. And the problem and the reason we don't hear it is because we're not dialed into it. But it's here, make no mistake. But in order to hear it, you have to dial into the thing that you're trying to hear. And so some of you might be dialing into SpongeBob. Some of you might be dialing into the radio and Beyonce. I don't know. But you're dialing into something in order to recognize what's there. So we have to be careful when we talk about hearing the voice of God as we are in this series and moving forward that we don't mistake because just because you can't hear a voice doesn't mean it's not there. See that for all the people in the back. Just because you can't hear a voice doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't hear God's voice doesn't mean God's voice is not there. Our job is to tune into the very voice of God, right? Tune into the voice of God. I know all about this because um, some of you, if you're, like, if you're like under 40 in this room and over 40, we're going to do an age gap thing right here. Um, but my first car was a 1979 Chevy Nova. And when I say that, people usually get excited and they're like, oh, that's awesome. No, that was not awesome in my Chevy Nova. It was four-door. It was the ugliest two-tone brown you've ever seen. In fact, we took it right up to like the old Earl Shrive with like the $99 paint job, and I painted it blue as soon as I could because it was so ugly I was embarrassed to drive it to school. It was just horrible. And, um, uh, and in this old 79 car, it had the original radio with it, with the tuner, right? 
And so you'd have to, you'd have to tune just right. And, and then you go two miles and you go out of that tune and you had to, some of you know what I'm talking about. You're going to have to explain this to your kids. This is nine o'clock. You're a little older than the 11 o'clock service, a little bit more mature than the 11 o'clock service. You know what I'm talking about. And I'd have to tune back and forth. And, and, and that radio was, was just like the car. It was a piece of junk and it had some kind of, um, had some kind of issue where it would have stopped working all of a sudden, some kind of um, loose connection somewhere. And I, I, I am not, still to this day, I am not handy with stuff like that at all. And so I didn't know, but I learned that, because back then you could actually stick your hand under the dash. And I learned that if you pushed up on the radio, that it would actually work. I'm like, that's cool, that makes sense. So uh, as, a, as a young high school student, I always had cans in my car, usually Mountain Dew cans. In fact, a lot of them were mellow yellow cans because it was a, uh, it was a uh, Coke makes mellow yellow and they had a, a thing after football practice and I'd always get mellow yellow. So all these Mountain Dew mellow yellow cans all in the floorboard of my car all the time. And so I found that if I took the Mountain Dew can and slid it up underneath the radio, it would push it up and hold it up and then it would work. Problem solved. Ingenuity. And uh, that works until you're taking a girl on a date. And then you hit railroad tracks or some sort of bump and you blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden a Mountain Dew can falls out from under the dash and the radio stops working. That's hard to explain. You don't get second dates when that kind of stuff happens. My, my point in that though is this. We have to be able to tune into the voice of God. And throughout these next few weeks as we talk on the subject of the voice... Throughout these next few weeks, I want to teach you how to tune into the voice of God. And we're going to use the illustration of a car radio, maybe a TV channel a little bit, but learning to tune into the frequency that you cannot see with your eyes. You can't hear necessarily with your natural ears, but you can tune your spirit in to hearing the voice of God. Does that sound good? If you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Samuel chapter number three, chapter number three. Samuel's an interesting person, amazing person. He was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He would prophesy and anoint people like Saul and David to be king over the land. He would hear God's voice and speak on God's behalf. But if you're like me, you love a good origin story. And the origin story of Samuel is what we're going to read today. And if you were to go back to a previous chapter, I think it's actually chapter 1. But it tells the origin story of how he's even born. He had a mom by the name of Hannah. Thank God for praying moms. He had a mom by the name of Hannah. And Hannah is barren and she can't have a child. And that was a disgraceful thing at that time period. And so Hannah is crying out to God to have a child. In fact, she's crying out to such a degree that she goes into the temple and she's weeping and crying out to God. And the temple priest, a fellow by the name of Eli, thinks she's drunk. And so Eli goes up to him and he's like, hey, it's not good for you to be drunk this early in the morning. Like, hey, you need to take a step back from that a little bit. And she's like, listen, I'm not drunk. She's like, I'm, I'm weeping. I'm, I'm broken. I'm praying that God would give me a child. And Eli, even though he was not always the best example of a priest, Eli prophesies over her and says, you will have a child. And she leaves with that word of faith, that word from God. Come on. Right. That really that becomes the place of having Samuel even in the beginning. And so she leaves out of the temple. And, and sure enough, she has a child. And, and I should back up and tell you that when she's praying, she said, God, if you'll just give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. I will give him back to you. It's, it's part of that perspective that we do baby dedications still to this day, which are coming in like two weeks, by the way. And so uh, baby dedications still to this day. 
So she says, God, I'll give the baby back to you. And sure enough, she gets pregnant. Sure enough, she has the baby. And as soon as the baby's weaned and she's old enough, or he's old enough, she takes this young boy named Samuel and drops him off at the doorstep of the priest in the temple and says, he is yours. He's essentially a slave to God from now on. I'm giving him back to you. It's an awesome thing in the Old Testament. Don't do that today. If you drop your kids off here at the church, I'm not going to know what to do with them. Some of you have lost your kids in the church. They're like, I know they're here somewhere. Don't leave your kids in the church. That's not healthy New Testament practice. But uh, it worked back then. So, so she drops off Samuel in the house of God. And Samuel begins to grow up. And that's where we pick up the story in Samuel. Now he's a young man, a young boy in the house of God. And in chapter 3 it says this. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Just real fast. I know this is not kids' church, but don't despise the fact that your children can minister before the Lord. Don't despise the fact that they can hear the voice of God for themselves, that they can listen to God, that they can be obedient to God, and they can be just as much of a minister as you or I can, maybe on a little different level, but they can minister before the Lord. So the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Hmm. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. He thinks he hears Eli's voice when he's hearing God's voice. But Eli said, I I, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Every parent, you know something about this with your kids. It can be a little annoying at times. It's like, you know, they hear something, they see something, and they got to come tell you, or they're scared, or whatever. Like, I, I picture this is kind of what's going on. You got this young boy who's running to essentially his father. He said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. Again, the Lord called him Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. <clears throat> My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back to bed. Every parent has said that at some point. Come on. Now Samuel did not, did not yet know uh, the Lord. Uh, now, uh, sorry. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. I said this last week. I'll say it again this week, and it might get alluded to throughout the series. Many times you will hear the voice of God not recognizing it's the voice of God till the revelation comes. And then on the other side of revelation, you'll go, oh, God's been speaking to me all along. Yeah. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. (laughs) He's bold. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is key. Every person needs an Eli in your life. You need an Eli in your life. You need somebody that can help you discern what the voice of God is when you're questioning it. Hopefully during this series, I can be a little bit of an Eli in your life, but you probably need a personal Eli as well. The other thing I want you to see is Eli says, hey, go back to bed. You will hear God's voice when you are rested, when you are not so busy, when you are not so distracted, and you're not just running, 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 so much easier than in the midst of all the chaos of life. So sometimes the very best thing you can do is rest. We do have this thing tonight, by the way, called restoration room. People hear God's voice every restoration room. Why? Because you can just sit in God's presence with no agenda and just hear his voice. Shameless plug. Tonight is six o'clock for restoration room. So Samuel went 
and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as he did the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Somebody say, speak for your servant is listening. Oh, we have to be that person who says, speak, your servant is listening. And all of the great things that Samuel would go on to do started in this origin story where he heard God's voice for the very first time. Number one, we have to learn to expect to hear God's voice. Samuel was not expecting to hear God's voice. Therefore, when his voice came, he didn't recognize it. You and I have to be people that expect to hear God's voice. And oftentimes, the way that you were brought up, the way you were raised, will influence the way that you do or do not hear God's voice or perceive God's voice. If you grew up in a house where your authority figures either didn't talk to you or ignored you, or maybe when they did talk to you, they put you down, they said ugly things to you, you will expect that God's voice is the same way. It's the way we're, we're wired, that we are to look at our parents as symbols of God. In fact, people say, what is marriage? That's a common question today. Marriage is meant to be symbolic of the very nature of God, the trinity of God. And so when your parents don't do a good job of, of representing that, which, by the way, we never do a perfect job. There are no such thing as perfect parents who can represent the image of Christ and the trinity perfectly. But when they don't do a good job with that and they despise the child talking, or ignore the child, or don't want to listen to the child, or never speak to the child, all of a sudden you can grow up going, God doesn't want to speak to me. That, that, that's big table stuff. You remember big table at Thanksgiving and then there's a little table? That, that's the big table stuff. God speaks to them up there on the platform because they're on the big table because they got, they, they, they've been to cemetery, I mean seminary, because, because they're, they're, they're ordained, right? And so God speaks to them at the big table, but he doesn't speak to us. And some of us have grown up in that environment that, 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 that wasn't necessarily always necessarily wrong, but we grew up with an image that we portray and put onto God that he doesn't want to speak to us. He doesn't have time to speak to us because our earthly father didn't have time to speak to us. And I just want to say that God loves to have a relationship with you and God enjoys talking to you and hearing you talk. Some of you, this might be radical. Some of you, you've known this for a long time. But, but you need to know, God enjoys talking to you. He enjoys your company, believe it or not. He enjoys having relationship with you. Jesus died so that he could have a relationship with you. That's how much he enjoys it. And if anything is preventing you from hearing the voice of God, I promise you it's not on God's side. God did not put up a barrier, a block, or anything that would ever separate you from hearing his voice and having relationship with him. If there's a barrier or a block, which many times there is, we're the ones who put it there, not him. God loves to have a relationship with you. He loves to communicate with you. He loves to hear your voice talking to him, and he loves when you, uh, uh, when you hear his voice and when he hears your voice. Um, it's in our very nature to hear from God. It's in our very nature to hear from God. Uh, it's from the time you were born. Many times children hear from God even better than adults do. If you ever work in this field, you'll find that kids hear God's voice very easily. It's built into you. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but, but like atheism and things like that literally have to be taught. Children are born inherently with a belief in God. In every culture of the world, in all societies of the world, forever, there's always been this inherent belief in God. And to become an atheist, you have to be talked out of God. 
Why? Because the wiring, the very DNA that God wants to have inside of you uh, to hear his voice is built into you. You can hear God's voice. What we end up with is selective muteness. Yeah, y'all, y'all know, like I grew up on, uh, much of my teenage years, we lived near railroad tracks. Like they were just at the end of our driveway, they were railroad tracks. And when you first move in, you always see the railroad tracks everywhere. You, you, you see them and you hear them. And, and it's kind of annoying because we're in a mobile home. Uh, we called it a trailer back then because it wasn't politically correct. <laughs> but we were in a little mobile home and the train would come by. You could almost like rattle the mobile home, you know. And, uh, and so, so it was very obvious. But after you've lived there for months, you stop ever even noticing you, you, you find yourself in a place that you don't even hear what's there because you've learned to ignore it. Some of us have learned through life to ignore God's voice. Wow. It might have started early on when God said to do one thing and you said, no, nah, no, nah, I really want to do this. And you do that long enough and you'll find that God's, God's still speaking, but we've just become selectively mute to it. Right. But you were wired to hear the very voice of God. It was built into you to hear the voice of God. In fact, Dr. Um, Alfred Tobias, or I'm sorry, Tomatis, uh, is an ear expert who writes extensively about the ear. And, uh, and he says this, check this out, I think it's pretty neat. He says, the ear has a poor psychological response to pure sounds. Instead, it loves complexity. In order to hear, or I'm sorry, in order for the ear to respond tangibly, a minimum of three frequencies must be put into simultaneous play. Say, so what's that have to do with anything? It just reminds me that there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when God speaks, you got three speaking at one time to you. And you are built to hear the very voice of God. It's in your nature. You're wired to it. You're wired to it. But it brings back that same problem as a child in expecting God's voice. Because some of us don't really want to hear him. That question, if God is speaking, do you want to hear him? Because some of us, it wasn't that our parents ignored us, it's that our parents abused us verbally or what have you. And they shouted at you and they were angry. And the only time they ever did speak was when they were frustrated with you and, and upset with you. And, and then we portray that onto God and we, we get this vision of God that he's somehow a cosmic cop waiting for you to mess up because that's what your parents were. And he's just up there watching with his zapper finger and, and ready to zip, zip, zip. As soon as you mess up, he's ready to get you. It's like Bruce Almighty, smite me, you most holy smiter, right? That's how you see this image of God. And so some of us don't actually want to hear his voice. But I want to say that God is not a taskmaster. God is a loving father. He is not a cosmic cop. He is not somebody who ignores you. He is a loving father, more loving than your father ever was, even if you had the greatest father. And he loves to speak to you. And when he speaks to you, it's in encouragement. Even when he's calling things out and calling you to be rebuked, to step up to something, it's always in encouragement. God wants to speak to you. And it's a good thing when he speaks to you. I love Mark Batterson wrote a great book called Whisper. And he says this, he says, you will eventually be shaped by the loudest voices in your life. The voices you listen to the most. You will eventually be shaped by the loudest voices in your life. What, what, what voices do you have in your life? The problem with some of us is that we have a lot more voices of a news channel or a sitcom or a movie or a friend than we ever have his voice. We've got to be people that expect God to speak and therefore step into that expectation and listen for God's voice. But don't just take my word for it. Here's another powerful, powerful example of how God can speak to us. Watch this video.
particular day, I was exhausted and I went to bed. I wasn't expecting anything spectacular to happen like a storm in the middle of the night. But I remember about two o'clock in the morning, I heard glass breaking. I heard furniture falling, I thought, and metal crashing. And I heard bodies thudding. And I heard all this sound. It sounded like someone moaning in great pain. I didn't know what it was. And I woke up and I thought someone had actually broken into our house. I thought the furniture was being flipped over. I said, did, did Dan get out of the bed and he's encountered someone breaking in our home? That was not the case. All of a sudden I realized that it was God speaking to me. So I got up out of the bed, not knowing what God wanted me to do, and I crept in through the living room looking around to see who was there. And I went and sat on the couch, and I knew that this was very serious. I sat on the couch and I said, God, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what you want me to do, but I had this great heavy burden to begin to pray. So I prayed in the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues for a while, then I'd wait a little bit, walk around in the living room. I was crying out to God. I said, God, I know this is urgent, but I don't know who it's for. And all of a sudden, I knew that God wanted me to pray for my oldest son, Daniel. So I began to pray for Daniel. Now, I didn't know where Daniel was. I just knew that he was out of town. He served in the military. There had been a, a disaster, a storm, and he was there protecting these different industries and businesses. And so I just began to pray for Daniel. I'd pray in the spirit for a while and I'd pray in English and I walked around. This went on, when I tell you this went on for four hours, I cried out to God. I kept crying out to God until all of a sudden, I felt like it was okay. Everything was okay. Two days later, early in the morning, I'm asleep. My oldest son, Daniel, comes in the house. Now I'm not aware he's there. He runs in the room and he gets up on the bed beside me. He says, mom, mom, wake up. And he put his head down on my shoulder, tears running down his face. I didn't know that he had just spoken to dad. I didn't know that he had just spoken to my husband, Dan. And then had a conversation before he ever came in the bedroom. And Dan shared the story with Daniel about how God had spoken to me to pray for him. He said, Mom, let me tell you. Let me tell you what happened. He said, we were, we were all, all the men in the army were staying in this gymnasium. We were waiting to be shipped out to different places to do our jobs. Well, one of the guys in the church had come to me and got to meet me and know me, and it was a church that was very friendly and loving that were hosting us to stay there in the military. And he, and he came to me and he said, hey, um, I got a plane. You wanna fly with us tomorrow morning? You wanna go see everything and all, all the calamity that's happening? It looks totally different from in the sky. He said, um, the pastor's gonna go, uh, the, the youth pastor's gonna go and you can go and I fly the plane. Would you like that? And Daniel said, yeah. He said, you know what? There'll be time, if you come early, I can go with you because every morning that they say they're gonna pick us up, they're always late, hours late. So if you come and get me early, I can go with you. So he had made a plan to go with them the next morning. This Now, remember, I prayed for him the night before he was gonna go on this airplane. And so that morning, all of a sudden, the military shows up early to pick up my son and all of his men. Super early, it never happened. So he called the guy and said, I'm so sorry to tell you, I can't go with you on the plane. I really wanted to go, but they're here and we got a scoop, man, I can't go with you. Then what happened was, those folks went up in the airplane. The pastor wasn't able to go, there was some, something serious, there was a death in the church, so he wasn't able to go. So the secretary went and the children's pastor went and the pilot went. And that morning they had only been up in the air for about 15 minutes and something went terribly wrong. The plane began to sputter and all of a sudden, that plane took a nosedive, crashed into the ground and killed 
every single person on board. My son told me that story with tears running down his face. I want you to know that you can hear God's voice. I hear his voice and you can too. Isn't that powerful? Come on, isn't that powerful? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, God speaks. And God's people, number two, are expected to recognize his voice. God's people, you and I, are expected to recognize his voice. In fact, the psalmist would say that the steps of a righteous man, that his steps are ordered by the Lord. If you are righteous, made righteous through Christ, your steps should be ordered by the Lord. And how are they ordered by the Lord? Except by hearing God's voice and him directing your life. And throughout every dispensation, that's the fancy word for saying every time God has moved in a new and profound way throughout history, throughout every dispensation of grace that has ever come across this earth, in every single one of them, the distinguishing mark of a child of God is the ability to recognize God's voice. Whether it was the ancient Israelites and hearing God's voices through Moses and prophets, whether it's the New Testament and hearing God's voices through the, through the Holy Scriptures and through the Holy Spirit, we are expected to recognize God's voice. It is the distinguishing mark of being a follower of Christ. How can you be a follower of Christ if you don't recognize his voice? Y'all are really quiet. John chapter 10, Jesus is talking and he says this about hearing his voice. He says, John chapter 10, verse 3 uh, through 5, and then again in verse 27, says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he was brought out, and when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And then he directly he says in verse 27 my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me we are expected to recognize the voice of the shepherd and by the way ancient Israelite shepherds in that time they didn't lead by driving sheep they didn't take a whip and whip them they led by their voice kind of like your animal at home maybe your your dog now cats don't count because they don't listen to anybody but your dog will follow your voice and your commands, but not somebody else's. These shepherds would lead by the words that came out of their mouth, not by whipping, not by kicking. They would speak, and as they spoke, the sheep would follow them. They followed their voice. Jesus is our great shepherd. He will speak over your life, and you are called and expected to recognize his voice and then follow that voice, and that's how the righteous man's steps are so ordered. That's the way it's meant to be. In fact, uh, many people, like, like I'm not taking away, and this will come up later, in another part of this message, but I'm not taking away from the Bible. It's a foundation. It's the main way God will speak to you. It's powerful, but make no mistake. You cannot take away God's Holy Spirit speaking to you in the place of the Bible. In fact, many people read the Bible, but never hear God's voice. Let that sink in. <laughs> many people. In fact, we've all done it. You've all read the Bible before and put it down and it was all fine and good. And, and that's a healthy discipline. And, and it was, but, but it wasn't like nothing like God didn't really speak to you in it in that particular day. But then another 
read like one verse and all of a sudden it jumps off the page and illuminates something in your spirit. God will speak to you through the Bible, but don't think that that's the only way God speaks to you. And sometimes you can read the Bible without even hearing God's voice sometimes. And I know that's weird for a lot of people to hear, but it's, but it's true. And so Jesus would frequently say, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. That was a, a very common saying to Jesus, but that's kind of weird because every ears, you know, except for the, the one guy that Peter pulled his sword out and cut his ear off. Right? <laughs> All right. Except for that guy, everybody else probably had ears. He wasn't speaking to a deaf crowd. That would have been, you know, sign language. Or, you know, I don't know what they would have used back then, but he wasn't speaking to a deaf crowd. He's not talking about physical ears. He's saying, I am giving you instruction, but you're going to have to hear it through the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you have spiritual ears, you will recognize what I'm saying. In fact, Jesus would say it is written when he's being tempted, man shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of God. Make no mistake, you are alive because of the, what comes out of the mouth of God. That is what literally brings you life. It is what awakens life to you. We we are alive because he speaks. And we hear God's voice, again, when we expect to hear God's voice. Many of us pray, but we never expect to hear God's voice, and so we don't ever hear it. And if you really want a great first step, the very first step, and we're giving more throughout this series, but the very first step is you've got to expect God to speak in order to hear God speak. So, so what do you do? You pray with expectation. He didn't say his sheep should or, or should hear his voice or could hear his voice or can hear his voice. Jesus said, listen, they hear my voice. Just look at your neighbor and say, bah. They hear his voice. <laughs> I could share story after story after story, but I, I knew, even me standing on this stage, I knew, you know, it's 12 years, we just celebrated 12 years at the church, it's 12 and a half years ago or so. I knew that God had called me to this church. I didn't have resumes other places. I weren't trying to look at the, I knew that God had called me to this church. I was crazy and weird. I was going to the church late at night and anointing it like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I'm taking anointing oil and putting it on the doorknobs. People probably coming in the next day going, what happened here? Can't open the door anymore. It's slipping through their hands. But I would go late at night and, and I would try to be weird, try to be, you know, chill about it because I'm like, I'm going to get arrested. Some cop's going to see me out here at the church at 1 a.m. be like, what are you doing, son? And, and, and I'm going to get arrested and, and then I'm never going to get the job. But, but I just, I just knew that God had called me to be the pastor here. So much of my life is ordered by the Lord. So much of your life, he wants to order us by the Lord. See, God's word is powerful. It's powerful. Hearing God is powerful. I love this. They, they say that at 110 decibels, our de- blood pressure begins to change. For perspective, we run about 100 decibels in here uh, on a Sunday morning, a normal Sunday morning worship. At 141 decibels, we become nauseous. At 145 decibels, our vision blurs. You know why they blur? Because your eyeballs start rattling in your head. <laughs> they start vibrating. At 195 decibels, our eardrums are in danger of exploding. At 202 decibels or beyond, you could literally, it could cause death. There is power. There is power in sound that most of us don't even, don't even recognize. In fact, um, uh, recently they've started using acoustic weapons. Anybody heard of this? 
acoustic weapons. The military uses it. Sometimes the police use it. The, 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 what they'll do is they'll put off a sound that's so loud and so annoying that people want to leave. It's great for dis dispersing a crowd. And so they put off this incredibly loud and annoying sound, and the crowds just start leaving. And so it's a, it's a way of dispersing a crowd that you don't want there. In 2009, they did it for the first time on American soil at uh, the, the G2 Summit uh, in Pittsburgh. And there's all these crowds. And this is not about politics right now, but I want to show you something from this. They, they release it into the crowd, and the crowd starts dispersing. Here's like a 30-second video uh, of this. Watch, just watch what happens. You might want to put your hands over your ears. <laughs> Say, what does that have to do with anything? God's word can be weaponized in your life against the enemy in the same way that people flee and they run. When you get a word from God, from the Bible or from the Holy Spirit, and you speak it, it is powerful. It is powerful. And demons tremble at the very name of Jesus. And they get scared when you start talking about hearing God's voice for yourself. It is powerful. And whole hordes of demons will run and flee because God's word is powerful. If you don't believe in the spiritual stuff just think about the natural stuff listen God spoke and the universe was created the words of God are so powerful he said let there be and right now the universe they say is 93 billion light years in diameter and expanding through let there be and his words are still going out all this time God's words are powerful but they're not always loud don't mistake loudness for power. Yeah. Isn't Tony Dungy the great example of that? You ever heard Tony Dungy raise his voice? But he walks in authority and power. God does not have to raise his voice to walk in authority. And God's words to you, his voice over your life is extremely powerful. But oftentimes, it comes as a whisper. In fact, my experience has been in the moments that God speaks to you loudly, there's a reason why, and it's usually not on God's side. It's usually because we're so busy and he's trying to get our attention. Yeah. Come on. It seems to me that God prefers, not that he never does, but God prefers to speak to us quietly. God is not a Latino family. The Trinity is not Latino. Man, y'all Latino families, man, y'all get together. It sounds like y'all having war in the house and y'all just loving on each other. So loud. I dated a Latino girl in high school and I'm sitting on the couch. I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. Everybody's yelling at each other. <laughs> Listen, it's powerful, but it doesn't have to be loud. In, in, in fact, in fact, when you whisper, there's something that happens every time. When you whisper something, it causes the person you're talking to to lean in. And they lean in. And the more you whisper, if they're whispering really quiet, you can get so close to them that you're putting your ear right next to their mouth. God wants intimacy with you. And when you shout, it usually pushes you away. 
If somebody's shouting at you, you don't get close. You back up, right? right? Right. God wants intimacy with you, so he oftentimes speaks through a whisper. We need to get close enough to God to hear his voice. One of the things that happens in our lives is we are too far away from God to hear his voice. And if you really want to hear his voice, you've got to walk in intimacy with him. The closer you are to God, the more you will hear his voice. Or I could flip that around and say, if you haven't heard God's voice in a long time, how close are you to the Almighty? Listen, God's voice is powerful, but it's often very intimate. It's very intimate. That same Dr. Tomatis uh, dealt with an a, a opera singer <clears throat> who, who uh, was an incredibly loud opera singer. Uh, in fact, um, a world-renowned opera singer, a guy. And, and they say that uh, the opera singer's voice coming out of his mouth could be like 140 decibels, which is like, the sound, which is like a, a jet airplane taking off. Like, opera singers have that ability just to boom their voice. That's, you know, that's kind of what they do. But your voice is actually louder in your head than it ever is out of your mouth. I don't know if you know that or not, but you'll hear your voice louder in here than it actually is coming out of your mouth. So if it's 140 decibels coming out of his mouth, it's even louder in his head. And this renowned opera singer found himself at a weird place where, where all of a sudden there was a certain note he just couldn't hit anymore, which was weird because he should be able to hit it. He had hit it in the past. It was weird. And so he goes to different doctors. They have different ideas. He ends up going to Dr. Tomatis. And he discovers something uh, that's now called the Tomatis Principle. It's, um, uh, uh, it means selective muteness can be caused by selective deafness. It's called the Tomatis Effect. Because he went innerly deaf to hear that note, because it was so loud, he was no longer able to sing that note. Here's the funny thing for you. Why can't deaf people, why don't they talk, uh, you know, in a, in a normal, you know, deaf people have a different way of talking. It's not as clear, right? Well, why is that? Because your vocal cords are perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with your mouth, your vocal cords, just your hearing. And the Tomatis effect essentially said, listen, if you can't hear it, you can't say it. If you can't hear it, you can't live it out. Many of us are in bad places in life because we stopped hearing the voice of God. And we can't live out the very thing that we can't hear any longer. And many of us have problems and symptoms and issues that if we could just hear God's voice would change everything. God's voice is a voice of encouragement. Encouragement. I have to, I have to kind of hurry, but I'm reminded of the people that you're closest to are the ones you want to hear their voice the most. The longest I've ever been away from my wife since we've been married is uh, a number of years ago. My, it was actually my first trip to Nepal. And I was gone for three weeks. And I'm away for three weeks. That's a long time for me, right? And so I'm away, and a week or so into it, these magical things called cell phones. So wild. And, and, and we would find ourselves in places. We, we um, were trekking through the Himalayas. We're in the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere, going from church to church and ministering. And, and I pick up a little flip phone. <laughs> you remember those? Pick up a flip phone. And I call Ada, because there's also like an almost 11-hour time difference. So I call Ada on the phone, and her words brought encouragement. It wasn't anything she said necessarily that was amazing or profound or whatever. But I could hear her voice, and her voice brought life to me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Every husband right now would be like, yes, I know. <laughs> I'm just helping you out right now, guys. And she put kids on the phone, and I got to hear the kids' voices, and it brought life to me. Listen, God's voice in your life will bring life to you. 
life to you. It's not taking it away from you. So we want to expect to hear God's voice. So what do we have to do? We have to tune in to God's voice. We've got to tune in to God's voice. We've got to put our tuner in, lean in, adjust it. Because you know those tuners, you've got to adjust them every couple miles. You've you got to adjust it to hear God's voice in this moment. So let me give you some practical things right here. First of all, as Christians, we operate from a place of mystery, not mastery. If you ever hear anybody that thinks they perfectly have it figured out to hear God's voice at all times, yeah, that's not accurate. We are not God, therefore we will never fully understand God. So we will always be operating from a place of mystery, not mastery. But that does not mean that you can't hear God's voice. It does mean that you will be constantly on a learning uh, uh, initiative. You'll constantly be learning and studying and finding out new ways. And God will speak to you in one way for a season and in another way in the next season. You will find that God's voice comes in a, in a, in a rainbow of different colors in your life. You will see God in different ways, but you will never master it. But you can hear God's voice. And it's all about relationship. Because if you ever did master it, you wouldn't need a relationship. Secondly, be careful of two extremes. First one is mysticism. (laughs) Be careful of two extremes. Mysticism. (laughs) In fact, this is, in my opinion, this is the reason why this subject is not taught more in the church. I'm just going to be real with you. This is a dangerous teaching. This is a dangerous teaching for a lot of reasons. But one, because human nature tends to be that as soon as you start hearing God's voice, then you see God's voice everywhere and it gets weird and creepy. And now you're hearing God's voice when it's not really God's voice. And then it goes against the very word of God, the Bible and all of this. And it can be a dangerous teaching. And so because it can have negative side effects, a lot of pastors are like, I'm not going not to teach on it. So therefore, we're going to walk in, in sickness in the body of Christ instead of full health because we're fearful that if we ever had full health, we might hurt somebody or something. Are you with me? So it is a dangerous teaching. So, so we have to be careful of that. We don't want to get mystical about it. You don't want to be that person that denies the, the Bible. You don't want to be that person that gets all, you know, you know, they just like hear God's voice and everything. And you're like, I don't think that was God's voice. I think that was the burrito. And, and you don't want to be that person. You, you want to be educated with it. You want to be mature about it, which we'll talk about in just a second. But the second one there is human rationalization. Make no mistake, there are some that would, would try to rationalize God's voice and never hear God's voice because they think everything is always themselves, and anytime God speaks, they're like, oh, that's just my own thoughts, or what have you. Listen, it's, it's neither one of those. You've got to be careful of those extremes. And so we must develop our tuner. Let me give you a, a, a very practical example. Put that scripture on uh, Matthew 5, 11 through 13. Uh, Matthew 5, 11 through ter- 13. Yeah, you had it up a second ago. I was just looking on the side I'm going to give you a practical example. There we go. I said, Matt, what am I saying? Hebrews 5. That's on me. Sorry. <laughs> Let me tell you how this worked out. If you look in your notes, it says Hebrews 5, 12 through 13. I'm giving you super practical. Happened yesterday hearing the voice of God. It says, for though by now you should be ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the words of righteousness since he is a child. I had that in my notes. I had prepared that several weeks ago. Uh, generally, I write messages about two weeks in advance. And so I had that written a couple weeks ago. I had it in my notes. I'm going over my notes yesterday. On Saturdays, I go over my notes. I make the PowerPoint and, and kind of, you know, I go back over my notes. I read through that scripture and immediately the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, says, no, there's something else in the scripture you need to see. I'm like, okay, what is that? So being a little, you know, like I am and always busy, I pull out the Bible, I had a Bible right there on my desk. I pull out the Bible and I
I thought to myself, well, it makes sense if it would read something after that. Like, is there something about hearing God's voice in that? So I start reading after that. I don't see anything. I'll be honest, I kind of skimmed it. I read it, but I just, you know, I got stuff to do, right? I got a school paper to do. And so I'm, I'm skimming it. I'm like, okay, I don't see anything. I put the Bible back down and I start writing. And I'm not kidding you. The Holy Spirit said to me, are you really going to do this in a hearing the voice of God series that you're teaching in your church? And I'm like, okay, it's a true story. So I pull it back out. I'm like, all right, I didn't read prior to it. or I sort of skimmed real fast, but I didn't read prior to it. So I pull it back out and sure enough, the verse right before the verse that I was planning to share about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. This is how the Holy Spirit will lead you to. He'll do it in your board meetings. He'll guide you through every step of life, the big decisions and the small decisions. But we have become dull of hearing. We're not tuned into the frequency of God. We might get a little bit of God and a whole lot of static. He says, by now you ought to be teachers. <laughs> by this time you ought to be teachers. You need, but now you need someone else to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Let me tell you what happens in the church. In the church world, most of the time, you are taught to get a word from God from either the Bible or the pastor. Neither one of those are wrong places but they're incomplete places. And so because the pastor is mature and has a cemetery degree and is ordained or what have you, and he knows how to rightly divide the word of God, the pastor's job is to go get a word from God during the week, package it together, pull it together, bring it back to the church body and deliver it to you so you get a word from God. There's nothing wrong with that. I do it every week, right? Y'all with me? but it's incomplete. And what Paul is saying is that you should be hearing God's voice right now during the week, just like the pastor does. I get a word that's corporate, but you get a word that's specific and individual for you. You get a word. And you need to lean in to that word. See, it's, it's time to grow up. Babies can't, can't process steak, but you need to get a word some point you have to process your own word from God. So do you really want to discern the voice of God? He's speaking. Do you really want to discern the voice of God? Stand up with me if you would. We got to close. I've only shared this story a couple times because of the private nature of this word from God, but it wasn't all that long ago. I was driving to one of my prayer retreats frequently do this. When I, when I drive on a prayer retreat, I, I will start driving. Even as I'm driving, I'll just start talking to God and kind of a free flow of thought and just, just talking to, to Jesus. And, and I found myself kept saying, Father God. Can anybody do that? You know, people pray, they're like, Father God, Father God, Father God. You know, and I kept saying, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. And, and I'm driving in somewhere in like Dade City, Zephyr Hills area. The Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. And he said, he said this to me. He said, why do you keep calling me father? And I thought to myself, because that's what the Bible says. Duh. I didn't, I didn't actually do that. But. <laughs> but seriously, I thought to myself, well, I say father because that's what you do, right? It's father. You're my father. You're my father. So why do you call me father? And as the Holy Spirit does, and he will do this with you as well, he'll nudge it further. 
Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's like a surface answer. <laughs> that's a good seminary answer. Why do you really call me father? And I started processing it. I had to pull off the side of the road. I started processing it. I said, the truth is, I call you father because father is distant. Father is an orderly way of saying it. <laughs> because the truth is, and I gotta be careful, but I did not have the closest relationship with my earthly father. And so it's easier for me to refer to God as father. He's kind of out there, right? It's, 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 it's a good way. It's not wrong. Don't give me your, if you call God, that's a good thing. It's biblical. And God said, why, why don't you call me daddy? And I started crying. I'm in my truck, like, you know, manly man. I start crying in my truck. And God said, listen, I don't want to just be the father who's up here directing your life. I want to be the daddy that loves you, cares for you, that holds you, that watches you, that goes to your baseball games, your football games. I want to be the one that you know is always close to you, close to you. It's a life-changing moment for me. Publicly, I still say father a lot because I think it's appropriate publicly. But I can tell you in my private prayers, I call him daddy all the time. Which, by the way, also has biblical precedence because that word Abba is just daddy. We have the spirit of adoption in which we cry out, Abba, Father. So it's not biblically wrong, but it's a closeness that I would have never experienced had I not been listening, expecting, longing for the voice of God. God wants to speak to you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.